You're listening to The Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 53. This is The Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At The Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing. You should too. Hey everybody, how are you doing today? My name is Scott Wellens and I am your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping real people, that's you, build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, an educator, and a wealth advisor, and it is so good to be with you. Hey, and if you have any questions at all related to this episode or any other episode, please email me, scott at bestinwealth.com. By day, I am a completely independent, fee-only, certified financial planner, and I own a company called Fortress Planning Group. But one day over a year ago, I had this crazy idea of starting a podcast, and here we are now on episode number 53. And today's episode is titled, Small Stocks Belong in Your Retirement Portfolio. But before we get to the topic, I want to tell you about the word of the day yesterday for me. That was vulnerability. You see, a year ago, July, I moved back to Wisconsin currently living in Milwaukee, and a buddy of mine from high school invited me to play on the neighborhood softball team. A couple of things you need to know about that. First, I am an athlete, or should I say was an athlete, because I'm not much of an athlete anymore, but sports always came very easy to me. I played multiple sports in high school and was a college football player, so I know about competition. I know a thing or two about being on a team, and I am somewhat athletic. However, softball was never my game. In fact, I probably have only played organized softball five or six times in my life previously to joining this league last year. And let me tell you, I'm not getting any better at the sport. For one, it's this over 40 men's league that takes place only in the fall for six weeks. We don't ever practice. We just get together 10 minutes before the game and play. So I feel extremely vulnerable when I'm playing because I want to tell these fellas who don't know me, you know, we're becoming better friends now, but they don't know my background besides the one high school friend. I want to tell them, hey, I'm an athlete, or at least I used to be an athlete. Please don't hold this against me because I'm not very good at all. And speaking of being vulnerable, Let me be vulnerable with you and let you know how my hitting went yesterday. Well, you only get one strike in this softball league, or should I say one swinging strike. So the first time up last night, I look at the pitch. It looks like it's a good pitch, so I swing and I completely miss and strike out. The second time I was at bat, I actually connected with the ball. But it was an easy ball for the shortstop to get, and boom, I was out at first base. 
So my third and final time up at bat, I actually did get on base. However, it was another easy one for the shortstop to scoop in, and there was already a guy on first, so I caused him to be out at second and barely escaped the double play. So I did get on base, but I didn't help out our team at all. And incidentally, we lost, but we had a lot of fun, and we go out afterwards. I did a really good job eating the chicken wings and having a couple of drinks after. But as a family steward, you know, as a father... It's good to get out every once in a while with dads that are doing the same thing in your community, trying to be the best dad that they can be, trying to be a family steward. And I consider these six weeks each fall to be part of my wealth building process because it's a chance for us all to unwind and lean on each other and to be a better dad and to be a better family steward. And that's what this is all about. So let's get to the topic of the day. All right, small company stocks belong in your retirement portfolio. So in today's episode, we're going to define what a small company stock is, why it belongs in your portfolio, how much of it belongs in your portfolio, why small company stocks have a premium in the marketplace, and what might be your best way to invest in small company stocks. We're going to try and cover all that in the next 15 or 20 minutes, you know, because I often talk about small stocks being a premium and finding these premiums in the market. In fact, I did an episode some time ago about the value premium in the marketplace, why value stocks should play a significant role in your stock portfolio. Today, we're going to go over the small cap premium. In the weeks ahead, we're going to go over the profitability premium. Let's First, define what a small cap stock is, a small capitalization stock. This is important because people think small and they think, man, I don't want to invest in your uncle's plumbing business, Scott. Is that what a small company stock is? And let me tell you, that's not it at all. When we say small company stock, we're referring to stocks publicly traded stocks and publicly traded stocks are much larger than your uncle's plumbing business. They're just called small company stocks because compared to large publicly traded company, they seem small. So the definition in Wikipedia for the Russell 2000 is as follows. And incidentally, the Russell 2000 is just a benchmark or an index that comprises the smallest 2,000 companies in the U.S. stock exchanges. So the Russell 2000 is by far the most common benchmark for mutual funds that identify themselves as small cap. And the S&P index is used primarily for large capitalization stocks. The Russell 2000 is the most widely quoted measure of the overall performance of the small cap to mid cap company shares. 
And this Russell 2000 index represents approximately 8% of the total market capitalization in the largest 3,000 companies. So take a step back for a moment. The largest 1,000 publicly traded companies represent 92% of the total market cap or worth of the publicly traded companies. The next 2,000 companies only represent 8% of the market capitalization. Wow, this makes it sound like very small companies. But get this, the average capitalization for a company in the Russell 2000, the small cap index, is around $1.26 billion. So these are still massively large companies, just not compared to those really, really large top 500 and top 1,000 companies. So again, these are really big, small companies. I usually say that small company stocks are worth somewhere between 500 million and 2 billion. Now, there are a few companies that fall outside of those ranges, but that's pretty close. So what is this small cap premium anyway, Scott, that you're talking about? Well, in order for something to be a premium, for something to be a dimension of higher expected returns, we need to make sure these particular premiums are consistent across multiple different markets, that they're persistent, that they happen throughout time that there's all kinds of data so they're robust and that it makes sense. So let's look at large companies versus small companies and returns throughout time. So we have data in the U.S. that takes us all the way back to 1928. And when, when we look at large cap companies, from 1928 to 2015, the average return is about 9.72%. Well, small companies during that same time period had an average return of 12%. So if we take small company stocks, subtract them from large company stocks, we find a 2.28% average annual return premium in the marketplace. And let me tell you, that is a lot. For example, if you had $100,000 right now and you held on to the large company index, which incidentally is not an investment you can invest in. You can't invest in the Russell 2000. What you can do is invest in an index fund or an actively traded fund that's trying to beat or replicate the Russell 2000 benchmark. So let's get that straight. What I'm talking about is not an investment. These are benchmarks. But if you were allowed to invest in the benchmark, the benchmark, if you held $100,000 for 20 years, that large company S&P benchmark would have turned your $100,000 20 years later into $639,000. Seems like a lot. But what about the small cap? In the small cap world, that $100,000 would have turned closer to a million dollars, to be exact, $964,000 rounded. That's a huge premium. 
And if that premium is consistent and persistent and robust and makes sense, it's something we ought to look at, consider and consider it to be in our portfolio, shouldn't we? But let's let's make sure it's consistent. Let's look at developed markets around the world and compare large cap to small cap. Large cap, 9.45%. Small cap, 14.48%. That's a 5.03% premium. We're getting pretty serious here. And does this premium exist in emerging markets as well? Well, yes, it does. Large cap, 9.53. Small cap, 11.78. A 2.25% premium in the marketplace. So we expect it. It's consistent. It's persistent. And it's robust. This is not data mining. And incidentally, for the developed markets, we only have reliable data back to 1970. So those were the numbers I gave you, the 1970 through 2015 average returns. And for the emerging markets, it's 1989 through 2015. So this premium that I'm talking about, does it show up every year? Man, I really wish I could tell you that it does, but it does not. Expected return is not a return guaranteed year after year. Your expected return is your average return. But those returns come in many ways, shapes, forms, and sizes. There are years when large companies beat small companies. And sometimes many years that large companies beat small companies. But just like trying to time the market, when to get in, when to get out. This small cap premium is the same way. There is no reliable way to time when small cap is going to beat large cap. The only thing we can do is make sure that we're ready for that premium every single day, which means we need to have our portfolio tilted towards small cap and then stick with it. Let me give you some statistics on the number of years or how often small beats large. So let's look back in the U.S. again. So if we go back to our 1928 all the way through 2015, every year we look at the premium. Did small beat large? And if they did, there was a year that the premium existed. And when we take all one-year periods, small beat large 57% of the time. Man, that's just over half. But what about five-year periods? Five-year rolling periods says this. Let's start 1928 and take it out five years to 1932. What was the average return that year? Now, let's take 1929 and take it through 1933 and average that return. That's another rolling period. So let's take all of these five-year rolling periods. How often in these five-year periods did small beat large? 64% of the time. What about 10-year rolling periods? 72% of the time. And finally, 15-year periods. 82% 
percent of the time remember folks friends we're long-term investors whether you're in retirement or not any money that's in the stock market is long-term money so we look at things in the long term 82 percent of the time is pretty significant well what about developed markets when we look at developed markets and we look at five-year periods 82% of the time, small beats large. 10-year periods, 85%. 15-year periods, 95% of the time. And lastly, emerging markets. Five-year periods, 71%. 10-year periods, 85%. And 15-year periods, 90% of the time, small cap beat large cap. The premium is consistent, persistent, robust, and it makes sense. But in order for us to capture this period, we need to be family stewards and stay steadfast in our investment philosophy and not get rattled in those years when large beats small and not think that we can time the market or time when small cap is going to beat large cap because you will end up going crazy if you try and do that. The best thing is to have part of that portfolio, be in small cap and stick with it so you can reap the rewards in the long term. So I keep talking about these premiums and they need to be consistent, persistent, robust, and they need to make sense. Well, here's why they make sense. Why does that premium exist anyway? The premium exists because small company stocks are more volatile than large company stocks. And volatility just means the variability of returns. So when the market goes down, small company stocks are going to go down on average more than large company stocks and vice versa on the flip side when the markets go up. So because they're more risky, when we invest in them, we should expect a higher return. Otherwise, why would we invest in small company stocks to begin with? That's why it makes sense. We deserve to get paid more. But I know what you're saying, Scott. I don't want to take all this risk. We're going to get to that in a second because I don't want you to take more risk either. We're simply looking at this premium, this small cap premium. But when we look at your overall portfolio, it's not a large percentage. However, it should exist in your portfolio. See, large company stocks, they have an expected return. Small company stocks do. Growth stocks, value stocks, real estate, bonds, they have an expected return too. Short-term bonds, long-term bonds, high credit worthy bonds, low credit rating bonds. Every one of these asset classes, my friends, have an expected return and a risk number, which is the variability number. So if we use modern portfolio theory, and I'm not going to get into modern portfolio theory in this podcast, but if we use that to diversify all of our unsystematic risk away, now we have a little bit extra risk that we can use in the market. But the real key is before we even 
divvy out this risk in your portfolio. We need to figure out some things. What is your risk capacity? What is your risk tolerance? What are your goals? What's your required rate of return? Because once we figure that out, we have a handful of risk that we're going to need to use to get that required rate of return for you to live out your retirement years the way you want to per your goals. So when we start divvying this risk out, we start looking at what's called risk-adjusted returns. So I talked about all these asset classes. Once you adjust these asset classes for the risk involved, well, what's that excess return that I'm getting? And it turns out in the small cap, in the value, in the profitability premium, that excess return after adjusting for risk is higher. That's why we target these dimensions. And other things like long-term bonds and low credit rating bonds, when we adjust for risk and find out what that excess return is, it's a lot less than targeting some of these other premiums in the stock market. And I'm sorry, I just got really deep right there. I went off on a tangent. But the last thing we need to figure out, though, is Once we know that we want to target the small cap, what is our best way to do it? And if you're a family steward, you know that you are an investor, not a speculator. So engaging in actively managed funds is probably not in your best interest. But I highly encourage you to go back to episode number 33 which is titled The Eighth Largest Mutual Fund Company You've Never Heard Of, and listen to that episode. Because this eighth largest mutual fund company, Dimensional Funds, they were founded in 1981-82 on this small cap premium. There was no small cap index that existed in the United States or the world before Dimensional came around. People said, well, it's going to be very difficult to make up a small cap fund because there's so many companies in the small cap space. But they did it and they did it successfully and they did it using approach, an approach that is vastly different than active management because we know that doesn't work. But it's not exactly a rigid index fund either because there's so much more flexibility worked into their funds. And when you look at the long-term returns, the benchmark versus dimensional, you're going to find some serious excess returns. Dimensional U.S. microcap stock Index 10.16. This fund has been around since January of 1982, and it has produced 11.81%. It's about 1.75% higher than the index. And the index, which only 20% of active managers can beat in a 15-year period anyway. I mean, this is real serious stuff. U.S. small cap benchmark 9% since 1992. And since Dimensional came out with the fund, 10.42% excess return. International small since 1996, benchmark 5.86%, Dimensional 6.74. Dimensional knows the small 
Cap Arena. Woo! That was a lot. Sorry about that. I got on a tangent, but I couldn't help it. Because this stuff is really important. But here's what you need to figure out for yourself. Did you pick up something here? Do you realize that there's a small cap premium? Man, I sure hope you do now. But what do you do with this information now? You don't go running out and putting 100% of your stocks into small cap. First, you need to have a plan. You need to figure out what you're targeting, what your required rate of return is. How are you going to accomplish all of your goals? And there's a lot of different ways to do it. First, maybe it's you need to save more. But another thing is making sure that you're targeting the best risk-adjusted return for your money. Because this is your life. This is your future. This is your retirement. This is your financial freedom. So we can't mess with it. Especially, we can't mess with people's opinions on whether or not they think they can beat the stock market. We're family stewards. We're going to rely on just the facts, and that's it. And the facts show, when taking a scientific look at the market, that there is a small cap premium. And you should be in that premium, but I don't know how much. 1%, 20%, it all depends on your situation. That's why sometimes it's so important to have an investment advisor and a wealth manager to look at your whole picture to help you figure out some of this stuff because it gets real complicated. If you have any questions, please email me, scott at bestinwealth.com. I would be honored to help you out and look at your portfolio. But until next time, I'll see you on the flip side. Bye-bye. The Best in Wealth Podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best in Wealth Podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.